1: Hello, TSF family, and welcome to this special bonus International Mother's Day episode of This Spiritual Fix Between the Seasons, where we are going to be interviewing honest motherhood contributor and influencer Maya Vorderstrasse. Enjoy. This Spiritual Fix Two Mystical Mamas Hacking the Self Help Game. With Anna Strongquist and Christina Wiltsy. Hi, Anna. Hello, Christina.
0: And welcome, Maya. Hi. Hi. We have Maya. (laughs) We have Maya Bordestrass on here, and she is one of the original letterboard mamas. She's an Instagram blogger and an Instagram personality who shares her intimate life of raising three children with her husband. And I believe she's one of the first who came kind of out of the closet about how difficult motherhood can be. Because I think I think there has been this whole put a mother on a pedestal and act like it's so easy. And you're one of the first people to come out and be vulnerable about the struggles of mental illness and postpartum difficulties and challenges and how you overcome it. So I, I commend you for that because I think that's just such a beautiful thing that you've done. And we want to welcome you to the show. Welcome. welcome. I got a hold of you because we both go to Brandy Chambers, b Sweet Salon, who actually does both our hair. And that's how I came to connect with you.
2: Yay. Hi, Brandy. Hi, Brandy. Thank you so much. I'm so glad and honored to be here. Thank you for inviting me and writing to talk mom things, um, woman things, mental health things. I think it's so important and it just one of my passions. So I'm very excited to be here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So do you want to give a little synopsis about your life? I know that you came here from Brazil as a, as an au pair and you met your husband and had children, but you want to give like a quick rundown of, of your life.
2: Sure. Yeah, I moved to America from Brazil when I was 22, and I met my husband at the end of the, I think, the second year as an au pair. We got engaged very quickly. We got married very quickly, and we have three kids, Zoe, Hazel, and Archie. They're five, four, and Archie will be two next month. And I love talking about mental health. Motherhood completely changed my life. I flipped everything upside down for good and also for difficult things. But I, I love the community that I worked so hard on to build on Instagram. And it's my passion is what I love to do. It's what keeps me going as a, an individual, a human being. But I also love being a mom. I love living in Georgia now. Uh, the weather here is much better. People are super nice. And yeah, that's kind of where I'm well, at. yeah. I'm like, <laughs> welcome to Georgia too. Yeah, because we're here. Yeah, welcome,
0: Thank welcome. Thank
2: <laughs> yeah. So I know
0: on one of your, your Instagrams, you talk a lot about this illusion of what motherhood would be. And, and you were an au pair. I was a nanny for many years mm-hmm. before having kids. And so I had this idea of like who I was going to be as a mom yeah. and what it was going to be like. And then they come and your hormones are wild and you're sleep deprived. And it's not like the the, the storybook fantasy that you kind of envision right away. Can you share maybe after having your firstborn some of the changes that you experienced?
2: Sure. I think the uh, the most obvious one was my body completely changed, uh not just the way that I looked, but the way that I felt, the way that I thought. Things my my thought process, my priorities shifted completely. I also had a bunch of mental health changes after i had my first daughter so i always struggled with anxiety but then after i had her i struggled with like really severe anxiety and i had depression and after my third for example i developed ocd on top of all of that so all of those changes i was not expecting i did not hear about them i did not of course i knew i was part of depression all right, maybe like the neighbor's cousin's godmother had postpartum depression. And, you know, it wasn't a thing that I knew I was aware of. My mom didn't really know about it either. Or I guess they didn't talk about it during her time. And especially on social media, six years ago when I had my daughter or when I was pregnant, nobody talked about it. It, They really didn't. So to me, the, the vision that I had of motherhood was all of those beautiful Instagram posts, with beautiful houses, beautiful, decluttered, gorgeous houses with women with like flowy nap dresses, like just enjoying being pregnant. I was miserable being pregnant. I could not wait for my kid to get out of my body. I was done. So that's when I started thinking, "Mm, there's something wrong with me, right? I'm supposed to be enjoying this way more than I am. Like, why am I miserable? Why is my pregnancy so hard? And, And, you know, after you have your baby, then your hair starts falling out. Breastfeeding was a struggle for me. My daughter didn't sleep. She didn't sleep. She either napped on me for 10 minutes at a time, or she would be awake screaming from colic. So all of those things made me feel so lonely, so depressed because I didn't see anybody going through the same thing. Nobody told me Things were gonna be okay, that it's going to be hard. So I was like, I'm broken, I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I doing this? I am alone, my parents not here, no help. Tim working it all day, every day. So yeah, I was definitely not prepared in every single area of my life, completely changed. But that's when I was like, you know what? I have to get it together in a way that let me give myself grace and try to sit down and figure out what I'm gonna do. <laughs> And
0: I want to echo that because I going into pregnancy, I heard of postpartum depression. So I was expecting if changes were happening to look for me being sad and suicidal Mm -hmm. and crying. And I went into anxiety instead. I didn't know that like postpartum anxiety was a thing. So like, I mean, my friends would joke that my daughter was never going to learn to walk because her feet never touched the floor, but they, but, but they didn't realize that like her feet never touched the floor because I was terrified to leave her for like Mm -hmm. one minute. Like no one could hold her, but me, I had to hold Mm -hmm. her constantly. So for me, it showed up as anxiety and I didn't realize that that is one of the things. And Mm -hmm. I, I just thought, Oh, motherhood's changed me. I've changed forever. I've become this neurotic nut. What's wrong Mm -hmm. with me. And I didn't realize that these were temporary changes because of hormones Mm -hmm. and just the experience of motherhood. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't take a shower without having her right next to Absolutely. me watching her.
1: yeah. And, Absolutely. Um,
0: and I struggled with that and I didn't know it had a name and I didn't know that this was, you know, maybe not normal, but common. Yeah. And And that, you know, no one was really pulling me aside and saying, you know, you're far more anxious than usual. They're just kind of like, okay, Anna's a really on top of it, mother, you know, but it was, it was definitely postpartum anxiety.
1: Yeah. And and I, and I can also mimic that I had the same thing. Mine didn't quite get to psychosis, but it was pretty Mm -hmm. bad. I couldn't Mm -hmm. sleep. I was, I was, mine was kind of reflective of my own experience in which I was worried about my baby, but it was more that I was worried about my own life. I thought I was going to die. Right. And that's how mine manifested, which was such a strange, mixture (laughs) of like what all the things and then the intrusive thoughts and all these different things that are coming in of all the terrible things that can happen to your kid or to you that can happen. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it is, you know, baby blues, I feel like is such a euphemistic phrase you can use for what people experience when they're there. It's like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I kind of always reflect on the show and have in the past is that it's like motherhood and in crossing that barrier is like, all of a sudden, if you haven't dealt with some shadow stuff, like if you haven't kind of dealt with some of the spiritual shadow work, then Mm -hmm. it's going to maybe come up. Right. Yeah, (laughs) It seems like all three of us had that experience. So yeah.
0: Right. It's like becoming a mother opened you up to all these things you didn't even know mm -hmm. you had inside or something it manifests
2: differently differently in everybody yeah I I was always a very happy person very excited person who struggled with anxiety but it never took over my life the way that it did when I became a mother and after every pregnancy it got worse so at one point after my third baby I was like if I don't really take care of the root of the issue I'm going to suffer for the rest of my life not only me, but I'm going to make my kids suffer because I'm going to project a bunch of stuff onto them and I'm, I'm not going to let them live their lives the way that they want to because I'm going to be in the background controlling because I can't let my anxiety like get out of control. You know, I have to control everything. So it's it's really like a life changing moment when you acknowledge what you're going through. You have to get rid of the shame that you feel and the embarrassment that you may feel, which I did. It's probably different for everybody, but I felt completely embarrassed and very ashamed. And once you strip yourself of all that stuff and you're like, no, I have to get better for me, for my family. I want to have a, you know, although I will struggle probably for a very long time with this, or maybe forever, because it's just the way that I, I am, I guess it's important to acknowledge and work on it. You know, some months mm-hmm. are going to be great. Some months are going to be great, but some months are not going to be so great or some weeks, but it's important yeah. to acknowledge it. Yeah. You're not broken. You're, you're going to get there. And you love your kids
0: it. too. Cause I know that I struggled with a lot of guilt, like cause my baby also had colic. I'm not sleeping. <sighs> I'm not sleeping. Oh my God. And I'd be so exhausted that I was just, I was exhausted. And I thought if I loved more, maybe I wouldn't be so exhausted. You know, if mm-hmm. I loved more and then to recognize like both can exist at the same time, I can adore my child. I am yeah. completely obsessed and love them. Mm-hmm. And I also am struggling with sleep deprivation <laughs> and course. I'm miserable or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think mother, Mother guilt can come up when all this stuff comes up too. So
2: Oh, absolutely. That almost broke me. Mother guilt for I can say that I started working on it a year ago and I've been a mom for 5 years. It almost broke me because I I was always the martyr kind of, kind of mom, right? And that's what I watched at home. That's how my mom was and she's obviously also working on it, but I I I was like, okay, my baby's born. That's it. That the, the pre-baby life doesn't exist what I like doesn't exist what I want doesn't exist it's just my baby so I lived for my kids fully like I mean neglecting showers I mean neglecting eating or not sleeping for some weird reason or just not being able to enjoy doing something that I like because I felt like I was neglecting them it's no I am the mother I cannot be doing something that they are not with me so I can't enjoy anything so that led me to a very dangerous zone where I was constantly unhappy. I was constantly drained, exhausted. I couldn't give them anymore because I didn't have anything left. I didn't have any hobbies to recharge, to use, to recharge. I didn't have nothing that made me happy as a person. How can you give your best to somebody? If you are running on empty, you're just like a car. You're just gonna stop at some point. So I, a year ago, I when I developed OCD after my third pregnancy and stuff, it was a very hard period of time for me. I I I neared like I was very near psychosis. I was like, they're gonna put me in a hospital. Honestly, genuinely, I was not okay. I couldn't walk down the stairs with Archie without having like a vivid thought of like me falling down the stairs and him smashing him, his head right in the corner of something and dying. And yeah. these thoughts, they last for like seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe one second but you your emotions what you feel inside you have the it exhausts you because you feel that moment just in a second but your emotions feel it like you you actually live that thing so i went on medication for 6 months to just get rid of the the intrusive thoughts and pull me out of the hole and i love going on medication because of that and then after 6 months i talked to my therapist and my psychiatrist. And I was like, I think I'm going to try to walk with my own feet now. Let's reduce it and see how it goes. And then she was like, all right, but you're going to have to do things for yourself that will occupy your mind and your body and things like that. So that's how I found Pilates. And that's how I started running. And that's how I started taking myself out on dates um, just by myself and doing things for myself. And I started being like, wait, I, why would I feel like I'm neglecting my kids? Like I'm coming back such a good mom. I'm going back home, like such a good wife. Like I'm excited to see them. I'm excited to play with them and I'm feeling good. So they are going to see that I feel good and they're going to feel good. You know, they're going to reflect whatever I'm putting out there. So that's why it's so important to take care of yourself and don't Mm -hmm. feel guilty. I know those feelings are real and they hurt you and they take your brain to think like crazy things, but you matter. Like I, th- there's one thing that I want to say today, like a thousand times that you matter, you are important. And it's not because you're turning into a mom that you are like, you know, a hermit and you don't deserve any attention. No, you matter most. So.
1: Yeah. And to kind of, it, it's interesting you say that too, because it feels as if y- you're modeling of that for your kids too, in some ways, right. Mm-hmm. Cause we are the guides of our kids. And so your kids, mm-hmm. if they saw you go away and not, you know, and come back and feel refreshed, then it almost gives them permission. You're giving generations permission to Mm -hmm. do it for themselves too. It's not just yourself. It's like they're able to see that they're okay when you're gone and that Mm -hmm. you're better when you go. And it's not that when Mm -hmm. you go, but it's like what you're doing for yourself and how you're recharging yourself. You are Mm -hmm. now embedding that in your generational knowledge, right? So that all the future generations can experience that as well, which is so, so important, especially because being a mom today is not the same as it was 20 years ago. It's not the same as it was 40 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: That's exactly why I mentioned that I did what my mom did right you, mm-hmm. you when you get married and you start you become a wife right you're kind of going to behave the way that you learned right At home so Absolutely. that's those are our tendencies and it's up to us to acknowledge the toxicity or the things that you don't want in your life just read them out and just figure out how you want to carry yourself right and that was that's why it was so important in therapy because while I was talking to the therapist, I was acknowledging the things that, of course, my mom's my best friend, but there are a lot of patterns and behaviors that I decided that I didn't want to keep prolong, keep doing. Right? I didn't want. I wanted the history to change because I know how much that was not good for her, and I is I feel like it's my job to work really hard on myself. So that my daughter picks up even less, not bad behaviors, but like pick up picks up better behaviors on my part. And then she will do better. And then her daughter was will do better. I need her to see me loving myself, for example. I am so picky. I'm always I'm always looking in the mirror and doing insane things. So my husband, we have a deal. I think this is really cool that we have. When we got married, we 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 said if we see in each other patterns that we don't really like, that we acknowledge from our homes. We call each other all out on it, right? We have that deal and we have that the other deal that we would never call each other any bad names. So we always keep everything so respectful and very healthy. And I love that. But so my husband called me out on it last year. He was like, listen, our kids, our daughters can understand what's going on. And you keep talking about yourself and your body and your hair and your skin. They are going to pick that up. And I think you need to change that. And I'm like, you are absolutely right. I have to change that. Thank you for telling me because I don't recognize it. It's so natural for me to go to like self-loathing that I can't call myself out on it, but he did. So that's why it's so important to help each other and acknowledge those things so that, you know, the kids are watching. It's very important for them to break the chain of toxic behavior and just for us to do better and for them to do better. I agree.
0: Yeah and ideally with that respectful loving okay i'm seeing this and i don't want it to mm-hmm. affect the kids versus in the heat of a fight be like you're doing exactly this. <laughs> we don't <Yeah>. want that <laughs> right 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 <sighs> right 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 okay so i have a question for you what has been your greatest strength support or resource when it comes to facing the challenges of motherhood um
2: i think that i used to suffer alone <laughs> a lot i i again, the martyr thing. Nobody wants to hear about it. So it took a lot from me. I I was like, you know what? I have to go to the right place for this because I need someone who will call me out. I need someone who understands medicine and I need someone who has an outside perspective. That's not a friend. That's not a family member. That's not my husband or my mom. So I just went I knew I needed help. Both times that I went to doctors, I was in very bad places. So this last time, which was the best time of all, I went to an actual therapist and a psychiatrist, and now I'm treating myself with a holistic doctor to take care of my hormones because they were all out of control. So for me personally, everybody feels different, right? For me, I'd rather have someone who has science to back up my, invalidate my feelings because my doctor's like, no, no, don't worry. You're not crazy. You're not going crazy. Your hormones are not right. Let's fix it. You're going to feel better. Now explain to me exactly what you are feeling, right? So to me, I felt so safe knowing that a doctor was hearing my symptoms and not thinking that I was crazy because it's so easy to just go there, right? You're, Of course, there's so many things that go wrong with your body or, or make you feel different after your mom that there are so many, you can't even count them. So I think it was very important for me to know that I wasn't crazy and be validated by those doctors who actually helped me get to a much better place. Of course, I have like six months where I'm doing super well and then I'm like, mm, I need to check like my hormones again or I need to have an extra therapy session, for example. And that truly, truly helped me with motherhood and just being myself too. I think getting older, being in my thirties and trying to change things in my life that I didn't want anymore. I think it's very, it was important for me to have that kind of resource to help me. So yeah, personally, that's what I did or that's where I go to.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's a really great example. So A lot of our listeners um, will go, some will go to science and some will also go to like kind of spiritual things. So Mm -hmm. like I work with people too who it's, but what it matters, it doesn't matter what path you go to. I think it, what matters Mm -hmm. is going to the path that makes you feel safe and makes Mm -hmm. you feel not alone, not isolated. Right. Exactly. Right. And that's what I hear when you're saying it's like, it's like, those are the things I needed. I needed to know that I was safe. I needed to know that I wasn't crazy or I wasn't a danger to other people or, mm-hmm. or myself or anything like that. It's like knowing that you're not alone
2: mm-hmm. and
1: knowing that, you know, you're, what's going, what you're going through is something that someone's seen before. Cause we have such mm-hmm. a tendency to be like, oh God, this, I must be the oh, only yeah. person who's experienced this. Like you literally described the same intrusive thought with this falling down the stairs that I had like I thought of it five minutes before you even said it you know and it's like the more we can hear that this is that Mm -hmm. that's a thing like when you're walking down the stairs with a newborn baby maybe that might happen to five percent or you know it's happened to two out of the three of us on this call mm-hmm. right now you oh, know we
0: have a banister yeah. <laughs> and even now sometimes if I'm carrying my son across the banister I get this image and I'm like stay, stay away yeah. from that banister. What? <laughs>
2: after had my first baby I had a lake in my house uh, like two blocks away and in my brain my car was going to fall into a lake so every time either my husband got out the door the door and I'd be like please don't fall into a lake oh. sobbing okay but I have a seatbelt cutter in my car. <laughs> and the one that breaks the the, the, the window. Right. You push it in and you break. I bought that on Amazon for 10 bucks it. and it's in my kitchen to this day. Yeah, my sister bought it for me because she just know we're the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, my car is gonna fall into a lake and I'm gonna to have to cut the seatbelt and break the window to get out. And yeah. you know, you're drowning these silly like thoughts. But to you, they're real. And your emotions run Is that like a panic attack, right? After a panic attack, Mm -hmm. you feel like you just ran like 10 miles. That's how I felt after every intrusive thought. And it's something that I still have to work on. So what my therapist said that I think it's so helpful. And she was like, you have to mentally make yourself snap out of them and talk about something real. So I am walking down the stairs and my child is safe and I'm putting one foot in front of the other. And kind of like telling yourself what you're doing kind of grounds you and brings you back from that scary thought, right?
1: It's yeah. super scary. Yeah, so yeah. Scary, and but that's like, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry. Sorry, let me interrupt. Sorry. No, um, no. Yeah. So one of the things that I love that we have, we have a shaman, Robbie, who is a, as a, as a friend of ours, and obviously is a teacher of ours. And one of the mm-hmm. things that she always says is like with heights, I have a problem with heights. And so anytime oh. I get near a banister and have that same thought that Anna has, like, oh my God, I'm going to fall off. Or one of my kids is going to fall off she's always just like, just tell it to go away. Cause it's just like, you know, cause she's a shaman. So she's just like, it's just a spirit who's trying to see if it can like grab into your, you know, like going way spiritual away from science, but she's always just like, just tell it to buzz off. Like, just be like, it's funny
2: because they are so fundamentally different advice. But, but but I guess the core of it is the same. Just like, just think about something else, (laughs) I guess. Right.
0: Well, I, when I have those thoughts, I don't have a panic attack response after I tell myself that that's my, my reptilian caveman brain protecting me from a real potential threat, but I'm not in threat. So like, if I'm walking down the banister and I see my son falling off the edge, I say, okay, that was my caveman brain reminding me of heights and it's not going to happen. And I'm going to keep walking. That's how I would deal with it. I would just tell myself, this is the ancestral animal part of me reminding me of, of laws of nature. Like, you know,
2: that could that, happen. That could it happen. It makes
0: you like a little and it's little just bit like
2: a, pay more attention.
0: Yeah. It. And it can make me take a step away from the banister yeah. and that's fine. So I was just like, it's just my mammal brain teaching me to be safer, but I don't have to believe it. And oh. I just keep going. That's what, that's how I, like I dealt that. with those, those things.
2: I like that. That's like a rational part of it. You acknowledge the, the thought, say, thank you very much. If something yeah. helps, I'll keep an eye out if anything yeah. happens, but now please go <laughs> away. I will take one step away from that banister, yeah. but but I am not
0: going to trip and fall and drop him. Okay. Also, yeah. please don't show me vivid vivid yeah. images of
2: my way. children yeah. bleeding. Yeah. That would be great. I'll, I'll, learn, yeah,
1: I'll learn my lesson. You don't need to show me the, yeah. the, the rated R version of the story. Yeah, and th- but, th- but that's so interesting because we all three have different approaches to it but but yeah. the the like you said my the core of it is the same which is which is not letting it determine our behavior to such a grand extent that it is then exactly. affecting our kids ability to like you know like i always like my in-laws were the type of people who would be like don't do that because this will happen and i was oh. always just like i can't please don't do that because it, you know eventually we had to have a conversation because i had to be like you know I don't want you to put into their head what could happen. Like that's not the mm-hmm. deterrent that I want. I want a deterrent that says, I want something like, "Hey, let's not do this and maybe we can have a conversation about it." But,
2: you instead know, instead of just
1: being scared or generating fear. Right. Exactly. Like, Cause, yeah. Cuz when they start it, mimicking it back and they're like right. they're saying to each other, "Don't play on the couch because you could you could fall over the back of it and crack your head." It's like, "No, just don't play on the couch because we say we don't want to ruin the couch." Like, you know, it doesn't have right. to be a dangerous thing that deters you. Right. Exactly.
0: Like Marissa Peer, there's a hypnotherapist and she says that anxiety comes from images. And that like, if you're a person who can't make images in your brain, you will never have anxiety because anxiety oh. comes from the things we see. And so she says, be very careful with what pictures you put in your children's head. So she the example she gives is that you say, you know, like, don't climb that tree because I want you to stay safe. And you're mm-hmm. putting an image of safety in their head versus saying, don't climb that tree. Cause you're going to fall and crack your head. Wow. And I, and I find myself, you know, biting my tongue a lot. Cause I'll be like, I'll be like, don't do this or this and this, because this and this and this can happen. And I'm like, Oh, I just did it wrong. You know, like, okay, grace. Yes. I will mm-hmm. do it wrong a hundred times before I do it. Right. But like, you know, trying to be mindful of the pictures, we're also throwing in their heads, Absolutely. which might make them
2: anxious. So that makes so much sense to me when you say that, because my mom is a person that she was always she'd never watched like scary movies. And I used to love that when I was a teenager, after I became a mom, I couldn't, I can't anymore. I won't. And I refuse to. But when I was a teenager, I was like, mom, like it's just a movie. Like what's with it. And she was like, I don't want to create fears in my head that I didn't know, even know existed. So when you watch those movies, you're watching, crazy scenarios of super scary stuff that you had no idea that existed. And that night, when you close your eyes and you try to sleep or when you're dreaming and having nightmares, you are going to remember those things. So don't, she said, stay away from it. Also, you don't want to call this stuff into your house, but mostly Mm -hmm. it's because it generates fears that just really shouldn't be there and just cause you to be super anxious about everything. So that makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah. You're normalizing and you're making familiar violence that is, would never even be like, again, 20 30 40 maybe 40 years ago would never even have been a consideration you know exactly because it wouldn't be coming into your house in a normal fashion and yeah. and and our you know in some ways as parents that's kind of making that unfamiliar for as long as possible mm-hmm. it's kind of one absolutely of the things, right yeah yeah
2: Kind of shelter from them as much as we can like in, in, not crazily but like shelter them from some stuff that's really not necessary now. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you a specific question? Cause it was something that I saw sure. on your social media. You were talking about the tornadoes that recently. God. Yeah. <laughs> you, I could, I could, like, I so felt it. Cause I could felt like the fear, fear that you felt with that. And I feel like it kind of ties into that. Like, do you want to kind of explain that experience and how you processed like something yeah. that was a potential danger for your, you and your kids?
2: I had never gotten, when I lived in New Jersey, there were a lot of hurricanes and you know, it was just like very strong, like rains and a couple windows broken and trees on the ground, but a tornado like could literally t- like pick you up and just drop you off like five miles away, you know? So I don't know if it's five miles. I'm very bad with miles and kilometers. So I don't know, just an estimate. So, <laughs> um, I had never gone through anything like that. We weren't under tornado watch or I didn't even know, but all of a sudden I hear all of the sirens, like the fire alarm sirens, police on the street with sirens. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And then our phone started beep, 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 and said tornado warning. So I immediately, first thing I did was just grab the kids, Tim took them to the powder room downstairs because we don't have a basement. And I grabbed water. I have an emergency kit and I bought a blanket and I just immediately locked all of us in the bathroom. And I had never felt so helpless in my entire life. I'm the kind of person who my kids find safety in me and I thrive in that. I take care of them fully. I always know what they're doing. And to feel so out of control was the scariest moment of my life. I was almost had a panic attack, but we I was like no, if I have a panic attack right here in this tiny little bathroom, my kids are going to freak out, so I will have to be stronger than this. So we started playing I spy with my little eye and things like that. They had no idea what was going on and I was a little bit proud of myself that I didn't I didn't really Freak out because that's what I usually do. Tim was like, well, "You didn't freak out." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." Well, inside I was dying, but you know, I wanted them to not have trauma from the experience. So we started playing in there and all that and all. And so as soon as I locked the door, actually. I said, okay, so we're going to close our eyes and pray to Jesus. So one at a time, we started doing it and started with Zoe and she started, dear Lord Jesus, please. It's raining a lot. So protect us in here and help us find like a fun game to play in here. Right? So I guess when I feel the most out of control, that I feel like that's when faith comes in because there is literally something that I can't control. And, you know, it is very comforting to find faith in God because that... What are you gonna do except just God at that moment? Like the, I, there is nothing you can do. But I'm really glad that we're safe. It did touch down in another town and it did some damage, but thankfully didn't kill anybody. So yeah, we're everything is still in the half path, just in case because it happened in the past two weeks. So we're just just in
1: case everything's just gonna stay there for a while. Yeah. But yeah, that's
2: how I dealt. <laughs> can,
1: can, can I can I give you more credit? Like that's incredible. That's incredible that you were <sighs> able to like to to reroute your typical yeah. t- response to be yeah. able to 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 be able to do it which i mean if anything it's kind of like one of those things that once you do it once you know you can do it in any other circumstance that's so
2: true right? yeah. that's so true i never thought i am the person who starts freaking out immediately you're gonna find me in fetal position on the floor like in the middle of a mall. but because i mean i my thought was like my goodness if hazel thinks that a tornado is going to hit the house, that kid is never going to sleep again, you know, and I was like, I can't, I have to protect her, I have to protect her emotions, I felt responsible for all of their emotions, because more than anyone, I know how trauma can affect you for the rest of your life, and this is, this could be a traumatic experience, we could hear the wind outside, Um, our windows were going, so, I mean, what else should I add to the top, go to the mix? You know, I, I should speed their safe place. And I, that was a moment that I will never forget. It was very life-changing for me because I never thought that I could, never thought that I could keep control, keep calm. And I actually did. And yeah, that was definitely a, a life-changing moment in my motherhood.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. and now And now you've modeled that for your kids for however many yeah. generations to come, right? That they know that it's okay for them to, you know, because we obviously pass on, whatever generational and genetic things, mm-hmm. but like the behavior is such a key part of that. So, so I'm, absolutely. I just want to give you more credit. Oh, like you, you gave, you. I know nice. you're probably like, you know, being modest to say like, a little bit proud of myself, but like, <laughs> oh,
0: nice yeah, that was nice. You broke a pattern and that's yeah. huge. I feel like that is like next level stuff. Cause then the next time it's going to be easier and mm-hmm. it's going to give you confidence
2: and absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's great. Just practicing to be collected, cool calm and collected even though I wasn't. But for that, that that's the thing with kids like you want to get better for them. Like you want to go to the doctor to get better for them. You want to find a community so you feel like you belong so you're a better mom. And all those things are so wonderful to to realize because when you are in the deepest pit, and you're in the trenches and being consumed with mom guilt, you you don't see that and how that could be beneficial. And that's literally what happened to me. I was like, no, I can't go to Brazil by myself ever. I will never do that because I will not leave my children. I can't do that. I'm the mother, I must do, you know? And Tim surprised, I was doing so well with mom guilt that Tim surprised me. And he sent me to Brazil to see my parents after two years. And that was the best trip of my life. And I was like, you know what? This feels good. I know my kids are well taken care of by their dad. I need to be here with my parents. I need to be here with my family and experience this and unwind. And honestly, for an entire month after I came back, it was like, my you want to play? Sure. Sat down and play with them. My can we make a cake? Sure, of course we can make a cake. Let's go. It was just, I was a yes mom for a month because I was so happy and so recharged. And I just did something for myself that was so special and motivating that of course I was the happiest person ever. <laughs> yeah. So important. I I can totally
0: relate to that. My daughter was nine or eight when I went on my first trip without my kids Wow! and and, um, abroad, I went with my cousin to um, Guatemala Mm -hmm. and it was just, it was just, it was like one of the best trips because I was like free Mm -hmm. and sleeping in and all this stuff and, and feeling free of responsibility. And I wasn't plagued with that martyr mom guilt, exactly. you know, cause I, I never could even imagine leaving them. And like, nobody understood really maybe Christina, mm-hmm. like how monumental it was for me to leave the country without my mm-hmm. kids when I had never been away from them for then more than like, 24, 48 hours, except for when I did a Vipassana meditation course, but I'd always like Mm -hmm. preface it with, well, this is going to make me a better mom. So it's okay. You know, Right. but like, like a me, me, me trip was the first time. And I remember when I came back, it was like my whole body reset because Mm -hmm. I was, I normally wake up at like four or five in the morning, every morning. So I can like seize a lot of projects before anyone else wakes up. And after that Guatemala trip, it was like, I reset my body that I would sleep seven, six to eight hours again. Like I went, I probably only slept four to six hours since my kids were born. I got in that habit. And then Mm -hmm. I kind of stayed in that habit, that stress habit, maybe. And it was like getting away and, and, and kind of going back to myself, reset it so that I got healthy hours of sleep again. I think I think it has to do with that. And it was also great because my husband was forced to be a single parent for, you know, a week. And he came back and he was like, oh my God, I realize now like how much you do. And so it actually helped our marriage too. So I don't know if anyone can listen and and kind of relate to the whole I'm terrified to leave my kids for more than Mm -hmm. X amount of hours when you finally get to the point that you can do it because it is so good for your soul and your marriage. And yeah, absolutely. Tim texted me one day,
2: like two days in he was, he literally wrote this. I don't know how you do this every day. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well,
0: my, we'll figure my, it out. <laughs> yeah, my husband, when I got back, he was like, I wanted to cry because I could finally walk in your shoes. Mm. And I realized how much that you give, like, you know, and I was like, "Yes, for everybody <laughs> just yeah. go, do
2: something. Two days. doesn't have to be a week. you know, yeah, go for an overnight hotel. Like do something for yourself. yeah. It's so
1: important. yeah, exactly. I wanted to ask something because you've mentioned your husband a couple of times. So I like, can you kind of maybe elaborate if you're willing to, like like how your sounds like you had like a very whirlwind romance and all that kind of stuff, like how your your marriage and your relationship with your partner has kind of evolved through this whole period of? you know, single them, you know, single with just the two of you to like motherhood Mm -hmm. and parenthood. Yeah. I would love to, I'd love to hear more about that and kind of how that's evolved. Yeah.
2: Um, So, (laughs) so Tim, um, I met Tim online because he was looking for a guitar player for his church and I was looking for a church. We met, I instantly fell in love with the pastor's son (laughs) who was the worship leader and all that. And we were, great friends for eight months and then after those eight months it was my time to go back to brazil my contract contract was going to expire and i had i made peace with the decision that i was going home it, it was just a an exchange phase of my life student phase And he was like, no, you're not going. He was like, I'm in love with you. And um, we started dating. And then after, (laughs) I can't even say that without laughing because it's so absurd. After three months, we got engaged. So I went to Brazil to introduce him to my parents and and to pick up a different visa. And he came up with my dad and he wrote on the iPad in English. And he made the iPad say in Portuguese. uh, he wanted to marry me and we got married (laughs) very quickly it was the best decision of my life we knew it he is the most respectful healthiest person in the entire world and i I was not used to that i i I was not used to a healthy relationship so when we were just the two of us it was just great we we would just hang out we would go on day trips we played music like 12 hours a day it was amazing. It was really fun. And then after two years of marriage, she was like, hmm, what do you think about having a baby? And I'm like, I just want you to know that I have been a nanny and I'm a school secretary. So I know that kids are a lot of work. So I mean, are you ready? Are you ready? All right, we're ready. Shocker, we were not ready. It was a very big adjustment for us from being just married to being married with a child. It was rough. We are best friends who cannot live apart for a minute, but it was rough. He was not ready for the amount of work that it is because you come home from working like eight hours, right? You commute, you come home completely exhausted, come home to a wife who has like a mom bun down to her forehead, covered in spit up, hasn't slept for like 19 hours, just, you know, obviously venting, it was not pretty. And I accidentally got pregnant when Zoe was eight weeks old. So we were not in a good place in our marriage. I was not in a good place in my motherhood. And it was just God sent Hazel to fix things. And we only saw that after like, she was like six months old. But we were in complete shock. My kids are 11 months apart. When my daughter was born, my first daughter was learning how to walk. So that's, it was insane. But we were like, look, this is hard. But if we don't get on the same page, if we don't have open communication about our resentments and our frustration towards each other, we are going to end up getting a divorce. That's just what's going to happen. It took like two weeks of every day we would put Zoe to bed and we would just talk for hours. So sometimes, some days that talk ended up great. And we would cuddle at night. And some days that would end up in both of us crying and like him sleeping on the couch, but it was so good to get all of our frustrations and our resentments and our shortcomings, being honest about our shortcomings and be willing to ask for forgiveness. That was hard for me because I thought that I was always, I always had a reason for everything that I was doing. I was doing for the best, but it was hard. He needed me to apologize for some things too. And after like a few months on this back and forth of talking and wanting to be together and working hard on our marriage, we had like a breakthrough and he stepped up and he would just get up earlier with the baby. So I could shower and go to Zumba or, you know, I would just, I, I would do the same to him or I would show him more physical affection. And we started learning about who we were as parents to each other and learning our limits. And, and he was like, you know what? You seem like you're a little overwhelmed. Let me pick her up for a bit. And, you know, now I can happily say that my marriage is the happiest part of my life. Of, It is my favorite thing in the whole world. And it was a lot of hard work because we changed as people, but we decided to change together and we decided to better ourselves at the same time. So I think it was really good to be on the same page because I can totally see how that cannot happen. And that's usually, uh, sadly, when things don't work out, but we are in a in a good on a good path in our lives. And he's just great and the greatest dad ever. And I just love him to bits. And I'm not gonna let him listen to this or it's gonna go to his head. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I love it.
0: I wanted to piggyback that kind of with what are some tips or tools that that can help someone support the woman they love as she transitions into a mother?
2: I think that the first thing is more important to acknowledge or try to understand is that your wife is going to feel very insecure for a little while. Not only physically, but with hard decisions, I think especially because when you become a mom, it's not on the books, it's on the everyday thing. And every tiny little judgment call is going to take a lot from her. Like, Which formula to buy or which day of the week to start the solids or should I buy a different brand of diaper? I don't know. And she's going to start sobbing. So just be there emotionally, just be present emotionally, because sometimes you're just a body there and you're not doing anything, but just talk to her and listen to her and be a little patient. Because if for you as a father is already hard, imagine for her who went through childbirth and changes and dropped into motherhood, like just trying to figure everything out. So just be patient and know that she's going to change and, but you're going to change too. But like I said, do it together and don't think that whatever she does is, you know, for example, so I feel like men get very lonely after the baby comes. They miss like physical touch and a bunch of other stuff, but, uh, but know that she's not doing it because she doesn't want to be with you. But just because for the moment, maybe the priorities are changed just for now, because it's a very vulnerable, very sensitive period of time and things are going to fall into place again. Just, just make her feel like you are her teammate, because if she feels alone, then that's when resentment goes in. And when resentment goes in, it's a very hard thing to get rid of. So that mm-hmm. would be my advice. I agree.
0: I agree. I think for those of us who suffer from anxiety after pregnancy or after childbirth, there's a lot of abandonment fears. I'm scared. I'm going to abandon my child. I'm Mm -hmm. scared. My child will feel abandoned by me. And so one of the worst things a partner can do is make you feel abandoned, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's things like just leaving you on your own to figure out some things and, and. Maybe you eventually need to make the decision if you're the mother, right? Like when it comes mm-hmm. to feeding, feeding and things like that, but just knowing that that person is by your side, no matter what decision you make and that you're mm-hmm. not all alone in it. Cause I think yeah. that, I think that you hit the nail on the head, at least for me is feeling alone
2: Yeah.
0: is, is the breeding ground for resentment.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. When I, when I got pregnant with my second, which was a surprise, I lost my milk. My milk dried up at four and a half, five months. And first time mom losing her milk, thinking breast milk is the only way to get a child to survive was incredible. I think that was one of the worst reasons for me or one of the biggest reasons why I was led straight into postpartum depression because it was really hard for me to acknowledge that I couldn't nurse anymore, which to me today, like it doesn't matter. But to me, back then, I, I got hit really, really hard. I would just cry like 10 hours a day because of it. And I tried everything. And my daughter was hungry because I wouldn't give in. And Tim sat down with me. He looked into my eyes. He's very calm. He has a very calming presence. And he's like, you are not a failure. I am going to go to Walgreens. And I'm going to buy formula. And we're going to try it out. You are going to do it. You are not a failure. I'm with you. We're doing this together, right? I will never forget that moment. I'm going to cry. That's so beautiful. Right? I, I, that is what I needed. I didn't need to make the actually make the milk. I needed someone to tell me that I wasn't a failure and that I was doing my best. He actually said those words to me and he pulled me out of, you know, a very dark place. And it, that's the whole teammate thing and feeling that you're not alone or doing that by yourself because honestly it took both of you to make the baby. Now it will take both of you To just you know make the whole thing work. So exactly, yeah, not feel like she's ever abandoned because it's hard. Motherhood is freaking hard. It's amazing. It's wonderful and rewarding, but it is really hard.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's so interesting too because you know I keep kind of comparing to like the past, but in the in the place where we lived closer together, where we had multi generational families present you mm-hmm. didn't need your partner to tell you that you were right. a failure because you had other people to to, to model for you their mistakes. Mm-hmm. So you weren't, you weren't seeing, like you said, either this kind of glossy version of motherhood from somebody else who you don't even know, who's mm-hmm. not going to tell you the bad stuff or, you know, but you also just, you were surrounded by failure, quote unquote failure. That was okay. Mm-hmm. You were, sur- you were surrounded by things that I'm not even going to call it failure, just things that didn't fit your view of normal mm-hmm. all the time. And now that we've shifted into this more like isolated family sort of mm-hmm. unit, the partner now has to take on more of that, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you don't have a parent present who can, you know, like your mother exactly. present who can like kind of – handle the little things, right? Like handle the, mm-hmm. the the things that come up all the time. So it's, a, it's an interesting evolution for us as mothers mm-hmm. parenting in this time, but also for fathers to mm-hmm. like, to come into that kind of more emotional center and be like, okay, I'm going to hold space for you right now. Exactly. And say it's okay. You know, so it's, it's a mm-hmm. really fascinating evolution of our kind of humanness. Right. Right. He is. I never thought of that way. Yeah.
0: He like, I mean, I joked about it because we did a hypnobirthing when we were when I was pregnant with my first, I did like a hypnobirthing course that my husband and I took. And then as people would ask, oh, are you having a doula? And Mm -hmm. I joked, I would say, oh, Eric's my doula because he took the class with me. So he knew all the things to do. And so he was going to be my doula. And now that you're saying this, Chris, I'm realizing, oh my gosh, you're right. Like, because the the family has become so nuclear and isolated, the man has to take on being the doula and the midwife and the nurse and the, Mm -hmm. and the, like the mama that you need and the aunt and the uncle and the cousins, you know, like there's just one other person in the house with you, not 10 or whatever. So that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah.
2: That's, that's important to hear too, because I never acknowledged all the things that he was also going through because I thought that my changes were bigger than his were when I became a mother. And that's when I needed to apologize to him. And it was very hard for me because I thought that I was doing way more than he was, but he was also dealing with his own stuff, of course, different stuff. But that's why forgiveness is so important. I think that forgiveness is a very healing thing for both parts. I think for you to say it, it's like releasing something that's been weighing on you or keeping a barrier between you and the person. And for the other person, it's just to see you vulnerable because you love them so much that, you know, you want to apologize. It's just, also very 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 important and very special and very much needed in a marriage and I've after like our forgiveness sessions like everything went like so much smoother and we both felt like okay so I import I am important to you and you are important to me and this is what we do now and let's get this you know to train going I wanted to ask how has your relationship
0: with God or how has your faith changed now that you are a mother
2: Oh, it changed a lot. It changed for different reasons. I think that for me, the the most comfort that I find in my life is just believing that God is taking care of my children when I can't do things for them. So example, current example was the tornado. But I always think about, all right, my kids will go to college one day or they are going to be in school. When Zoe went to school for three weeks, she went to school uh, last year the thought of me not being there with her was very difficult for me to deal with. Thank God I was in therapy. So I was like, God, please watch over my child and praying every day for her and all of that. And just having God take the wheel for a change and not just me was, is incredibly important and very comforting. But my relationship with God changed a lot in the past few years because I have been hurt a lot by churches, like in a way that is just heartbreaking. So I am trying, I'm currently trying to find out it's it's a journey for me right now it's and it's one a big one that's weighing on me but i'm trying to figure out how to find god after being hurt by church i've been a christian since i was little i've been to countless churches but uh, in the past like 10 years i have been hurt a lot and i am trying now as a mom i'm trying to not let my frustration and hurt with churches change my relationship with god so that i don't to transfer the trauma onto my children. Thankfully, there are still very little. We pray every day, and of course, read books and read the Bible and things like that. But I'm trying to see where me and my family fit into a church scenario right now. I can see it happening, and it's not even because of COVID. It's just because of my personal relationship with the church. But we are Tim and I are trying to trying to see how we see ourselves into a church again.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it, it's, a, it's a fascinating thing that you say that because, you know, especially in America, yeah. with the way that we're structured, churches are the only kind of third place. So, right, there's like the, your first place is your home, your second place is mm-hmm. your work, or and they may be the same place. But then your third place is kind of the place that you go Mm-hmm that has course, your community, yeah. right? It, yeah. it has that, but it's not even, it's just community. It's like, it's, it's yeah. the family that exists outside of your work in your home. And in mm-hmm. other, mm-hmm. like, like, for instance, I, I lived in New Zealand and Australia for a time, they have like rugby clubs. And that was like, an, they don't have churches, mm-hmm. they have rugby clubs, and that would be their mm-hmm. kind of third place it would be the place right. where they congregate. And so having that disconnect from the church in America, which is really easy, because that that pain that you're experiencing, I think you're, you know, so many people experience that, Mm -hmm. right, that kind of disconnect means that we are also missing out from this community. And I find, it, you know, just to kind of reflect, and you can tell me if this is wrong, but like, in some ways, you know, you've created the social media community, and I don't know if it replaces it, but you know, in some ways, it makes it so that the the community aspect of the church is has maybe been you've you've come up with that you've come up with another yeah. third place. I don't know if you want to.
2: I I definitely think that one doesn't replace the other. I yeah, think that you 100%. go to church for you, you go to church to have your you know to to find God, I guess. But you also go because you're supposed to have that community of people that think like you and believe in what you believe. And it is important to of course, be exposed to different people, but the sense of belonging that I always found in a church was very comforting. And I have a thing with feeling safe. I need to feel safer. I am right. So I need to feel like everyone else is giving a hundred percent, like the way that I am. So if usually I felt like that in churches until I did not for X, reasons. There were always different reasons, but, but I always, I would always gravitated towards mega churches, you know, the the churches that have like the worship team and the light shows and the pastor that comes out and looks hot and, you know, all that stuff. And that broke me, that disappointed me terribly. And it really broke my heart. And for a while there, a couple of years ago, it really affected my relationship with God. So I had to be like, all right, this is not God's fault. Men are going to mess up at some point. So just try to find what I felt in my heart was goodbye mega churches. It's just not for me personally. If you love it, go for it. But for me personally, I think I wanna find that kind of belonging in a smaller community where I can actually be myself. I don't have to put on a, a, a face. I don't have to look a certain way. I don't have to wear certain kind of clothes to fit in a certain group and be accepted by those mega churches. But let me try to go smaller, right? Tim's father is a pastor. Very small church. And it was actually really great. I, you know, you could see that he was there because he loved it. And, you know, he used actually read from the Bible. He didn't just point at a PowerPoint on, you know, on the screen. And it was just very special. And I think that that's what I want moving forward. And I want a community that, you know, they're not so interested in growing the build or throwing like crazy light show concerts. I just want a community that's working on bettering themselves and working together and also serving the community and I have yet to find one of those I know they're out there I know I have them here in Georgia but because of COVID it was kind of hard but yeah I think finding finding God I guess because on the Bible it does say that if one or more you know are gathered together that's where I'm going to be and that's why it's so important to have that community and those people to try to find God together as a group and also the community to spend your time with and I think that would be amazing and I cannot wait to find one just haven't yet
1: <laughs> awesome thank you no that that's um, sure of course <laughs> that's a really good and, and I was like I was also listening to your description of mega churches and I was like is that what happens at them that sounds so interesting not that I'm interested yeah. but like just I google just... it real quick you'll yeah. find everything about so, it I
0: went to a to a mega church here in in Atlanta and I'm I'm Jewish but then I don't really practice my own personal thing is God is bigger than one religion and I connect mm-hmm. more with God without organization mm-hmm. so so there's that but then I went to a mega church with some friends and I was like oh my gosh this is like baptism on Broadway because it was like <laughs> yeah. it was like dark and then this light shines in and then they're suddenly in a pool of water and the keyboard in the, in the back yeah and then the light is shining down and, and like it, it was like literally like baptism on Broadway I was like this mm-hmm. is fascinating
2: I It think was that it, it was fascinating of, I think that t- personally Okay. I, at one point in my life, I loved it, but now, as a woman in my thirties was a mother, I want the focus to be on the word, because that is why I'm there. It is to learn the word of God. It is to be led by a pastor who has his intentions in the right place and his priorities right. And I'm not really there for the for the show. I, yeah, I, for the entertainment. It's not. An I don't Yeah, ha- I, I don't want the entertainment. If I want the entertainment, I'll just turn YouTube on my living room, and I'm going to be perfectly fine. Yeah. So I am I'm I'm craving God. I'm craving the gospel. That is the difference. So again, if you like mega churches, just go for it. If you, that's your place, go for it. It's just not mine anymore. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's the thing. Like we all, you know, that's one of the things that we talk about on the podcast a lot and a lot of the things that that I have saying is like the beauty of someone else's own experience of God and their own experience mm-hmm. in faith even if it's even if, yeah. you know, even if they are their experience of existence, right? Even you know, yeah. so so stretching it out even to the people who don't believe in God, like mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a really amazing journey, and you know, and and when two are more gathered is this mm-hmm. you know, in some ways I was when you said that, it popped in my head was like in some ways Anna and I we like kind of think of it as like we're we're going to be two and we're going to talk about all the different things so that we can kind of like experience everybody's experience. Yeah. Of faith, you know, of so course. that someone it can find important. something that resonates with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Whatever makes you feel safe and comfortable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. So to kind of wrap it up, if there is a listener right now who is struggling with the changes of motherhood, she may not have identified it as postpartum depression, anxiety, psych- psychosis, just if there's a listener right now who can identify with noticing that she's just not the person she was before and she doesn't like all the new parts that are coming out, what, what words of comfort or wisdom do you have for her?
2: When I had my babe, first baby and I was in the trenches with colic for four months, I went five days without showering. And one of those days, I walked in front of a round mirror that I had in my living room in New Jersey. And I looked in the mirror for the first time in weeks. And I did, oh, it makes me cry. I didn't recognize my face. I I saw my face. I didn't remember what my face looked like. That is exactly what happened. And I called my husband sobbing. and He was at work. I said, I don't recognize my face in the mirror right now. I don't know who that person is. I had no connection. My brain didn't acknowledge who that was. And I also couldn't remember who I was. I didn't remember what my face looked like. So I just wanna tell you, if you're going through that, that you are not alone. Motherhood is freaking hard. It is, you need to adapt. You need to, you're constantly changing. You're constantly feeling things that are not going to be very pretty. But you are not alone in those feelings. And I validate your feelings and know that you are important and that you matter and that you are not failing. I think a very important thing to do is to just reach out to a doctor. That doesn't mean that you are weak. That doesn't mean that you are a failure. It just means that you just want to be better for yourself. You have to show up for yourself first and foremost, because you, you are so important. Not only because you're basically the cornerstone of your home, but because you matter as a person. You're here for a reason. So you are not alone the feelings may be beautiful and they may be ugly, but they are your feelings to feel and work through them. And I validate them. I just know that there are tons of other women going through the same thing. And also don't compare yourself to people on social media because that is a trap. And that is a very hard, dangerous place for you to fall into when you're a new mom, because people are only show their, their best parts. So just know that you are special. You are, you're mothering that baby for a reason. You were chosen or you were sent to each other for a reason And things will get better, I promise. And just reach out when you feel like, before you feel like you can't anymore, uh, because that's a very, very, very dangerous place. But just reach out when you're not feeling well to either friends or family or doctors or people that you trust or your husband, your partner, and work as a group. You're not alone in this. You're not supposed to be doing this alone. And I'm not saying he's going to take a village of like, you know, 30 cousins helping you out. But sometimes when you have two people and a doctor like on the same uh, page as you, it just makes a complete and total difference. And you are going to get through this.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much. That's that's great advice. And it really it's really important. It's really important for people to know that it's okay. So, yeah. yeah awesome awesome Maya. thank you so much for everything yes. you, for your, your kids listeners. are
0: beautiful yeah. and they're lucky to have you and thanks for what you do it's thank beautiful you. well so yeah thank you maya i know your your time is valuable so thank
2: you for sharing it with us yeah thank you so thank much. you so much for having me i'm very bye. flattered. thank you so much guys bye. have a good weekend you too bye
1: Hi, everybody. Can you make sure to leave us a review, even if you kind of thought you wanted to do it sometime or maybe you kind of forgot? Just go ahead and either follow us on Spotify or write us a review on iTunes, depending on where you listen. We would appreciate it so much. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Book a free call with me at www.chriswiltsy.com forward slash discover. Hey, TSF family. So, in case you weren't aware, all of you are healers. We are all healers in the way that we do the work on ourselves so that we can show up better in the world. And by doing that, we model, and every single one of you is doing that. We are all healers. We are all spreading our light. We are all addressing our shadows. And I just wanna first say, way to go. I also wanna say, if you feel stuck, I'm here. I do intuitive readings. I do intuitive clearings. I help the healers heal. Healing is the practice of integration in which we recognize and accept all parts of us so that we can love all parts of us. The more we love all parts of us, the more that we can love and accept and heal others. So in perpetuity, all TSF family will receive a 15% discount on their first sessions or healing sessions with me. I'm so grateful for y'all and I hope to see you soon. Use the code TSFFAMILY, all one word for your discount.